0: Uh, the book of Colossians called Alignment, which is fantastic. So, kia whaana, Welcome, everyone. Ni hao, annyeong, hao Nice to have you guys with us. Uh, you remember a few weeks ago, I said that we, you know, we had some great giving, and so we've got free cake for everyone today. Isn't that good? Free cake in the cafe after the service, just to say a little thank you for all of your faithful giving. So uh, make sure you grab a piece before you go, which will be great. Now, this week is the last week on the book of Colossians, written by Paul, as we know, from prison. Um, to this congregation that he's never actually met in the city of Colossae. And in the final part of this chapter, of this letter, this final chapter is quite an intriguing chapter, and we're going to look at some key things today from that. Now, what happens in this chapter, if you've read through Colossians 4, is there's a bunch of instructions, which we're going to dig into more in a moment. So we're teaching about evangelism, of all things, Um but then there's the, uh, the, the biggest proportion of it actually is about connections and encouragements. It's like Paul is reminding the church at Colossae that actually they're part of a bigger family. That even though there's a few people, there trying to convince them that actually you know, they don't have it all in Christ. And actually that, actually, that they aren't enough. Paul's reminding them actually, you know what, there's a, a huge family that you're a part of, of good people who are going through the same thoughts, sorts of things you're going through. And actually remembering that you're part of this family who believe the same things and are doing the same work is incredibly important. Now, what's intriguing is that Paul frames this part of the letter talking about something. Let me read this to you. I'm going to read from Colossians 4, verses 2 and 3, and then from verse 18. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, here it is, for which I am in chains. Then at the very end of the letter in verse 18, he says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, remember my chains. Intriguing, isn't it? He he kind of frames this part of what he's saying by talking about how he is in chains, Somehow this is the exclamation mark on what he is saying. It's like this is something that they need to get, and therefore this is something that we need to get. We need to understand what it means. You see, Paul is not in chains because he has done anything legally wrong. He is not in chains because he has done anything ethically wrong. He hasn't treated people badly or for selfish ends. And he's not in chains because he's done anything morally wrong. He hasn't sinned in any way. Now, Paul is in chains because of one thing. And that one thing is what he calls our message. Our message. He says, pray for us too that God may open a door for, here it is, our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now Paul's saying that there is a message that he carries, a message that we carry, that changes lives, and that he will share it with anybody he can, and he will not be constrained on that one thing. And if people lock him up for it, well that is the price he is willing to pay, and he's saying of all of the things that are out there, this cannot be shut down, this must not be compromised Any consequence is worth facing so that this message might be shared. For this is the power of God unto salvation. Whether or not it is even received, whether or not it is even acted on, that is not what his job is. But his job is to see that this message is proclaimed. And it is our responsibility to make sure that this message is shared whenever we have opportunity. Paul is saying, this is the message that people's eternities rest on. That's why Paul was in chains. That's why we share the gospel at the end of every service. And so here's what Paul then says to the congregation members of this church about this. And I'm going to read it to you verses 2 through 6. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Chains. Pray, here it is, that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, this is this is a fascinating uh, bit of teaching here that Paul gives, because we learn a great deal not just about the gospel message, but about how Paul intends this to be shared by God's church with a lost and hurting world. And he says this message is the one thing that matters more than keeping the peace. Matters more than offending people. Matters more than being appropriate. Matters more than keeping out of trouble. However, how we share this message is unbelievably important. So Paul gives us a fascinating picture of how this message, our message, should be shared. And I want to take you through this this morning. Firstly, he says, pray for open doors. You don't need to go and push this on everyone. You don't need to try and turn every conversation onto spiritual things. Some people just aren't ready. But look for, and more importantly, pray for, open doors. know, I remember once I was traveling on a, on a plane, New Zealand flight, and I ended up sitting next to this young woman, and I, wanting to be a relatively friendly kind of human being, said hello, and she said hello back, and we got chatting about what we did, and and you know what? And God opened a door. She found out that I was a Christian, which I just shared as a normal part of who I am and what I do. There was nothing particularly targeted in that. But God opened the door and she said to me, oh, you're a Christian, tell me, I'd love to know, what is it that you believe? That, ladies and gentlemen, is an open door. That is the sort of thing that we should be praying for. Because when God opens a door, the results of that are always going to be significantly different from what they are if we end up trying to kick down doors. Amen? Amen. Paul says we should pray for open doors. Can I challenge you this morning? Do you have non-Christians in your life, people who don't know Christ, people maybe who've walked away from Christ, people who are in a difficult place? Can I encourage you to pray for open doors? Ask God specifically. God, give me an open door with my boss. God, give me an open door with my son or daughter. God, give me an open door with this work colleague. God, give me an open door with this person I see every week at the supermarket checkout. God, give me an open door. Pray for open doors. You see, the reason why Paul said to pray for that is because he firmly believes that in praying for that, that is a prayer that God will answer and that there will be open doors to share. Paul, we are told, spent this portion of his life literally chained between two soldiers, and those soldiers would change out as shifts changed. What's the bet? Paul Paul spent a lot of his inner world, inner time, praying for open doors with the men that he was chained to for hours every day. This is the first step. If we're going to be people who share this message of messages, We need to pray for open doors. The second thing is this, Paul says, proclaim it with clarity. Proclaim it with clarity. Let me bring a bit of a challenge to us this morning. If you can't share the gospel by memory in two minutes or less, or even share your own testimony story in two minutes or less, Chances are that when God opens a door for you, you will not be ready. You will not be able to step forward into that opportunity meaningfully. It's so important for us to know this life changing message and to know it with clarity. Ask yourself right now, sitting where you are, could I share the good news message about Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for humanity right now with clarity? if it was called upon for me to do that. I absolutely believe that every Christian should learn and know the gospel and be able to share it clearly and therefore with confidence. If not, can I suggest it might be time to learn? And here's the beautiful thing. The gospel is not an overly complex message, and it's not an overly long message, and... and, the absolute truth is it's, it's harder learning how to work your phone than it is learning how to share the gospel. So, so no excuses on this. You don't have to be a theologian to, to share the gospel. You don't have to have a doctorate in theology like our two esteemed pastoral colleagues down there do. do, do you, you don't. It's not complex, but we do have to be intentional about this. And so what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to take a few moments and I'm going to share with you a very simple breakdown of the gospel that you can memorize if you're intentional by the end of the service that you can use at any time going forward. And I've taken this from Student Life. This is one of the ways that Student Life teaches their evangelists to share the gospel. And I choose this because I think that Student Life or Tandem Ministries, I believe that they're one of the most effective evangelistic groups on the planet today. And I know for a fact that they see people saved in our New Zealand universities every single week, every single week that university meets through the application of what I'm going to share with you. And this is the gospel that I use and share. This is how to explain it in a simple way. You see, there are four parts to this. You know, when this girl on the plane said to me, what do you believe? What I ended up doing was, I I said, well, well, let me explain to you what I believe. There's there's a bit of a precursor I'll I'll go on to in a moment. But what I did was I pulled a sick bag. You know how in the back of the seat pocket in front of you, there's a sick bag in case there's turbulence? I pulled the sick bag out, put her tray table down, pulled a pen out of my bag and said, well, let me explain it to you like this. And then I drew four simple diagrams that anyone can memorize and learn on the sick bag And then I shared the gospel with her. And this is how it looks. The first one is this. Can we throw it up on there? I drew a circle with a love heart in it. This reminds me of the first part of the gospel. This reminds me actually of John 3.16, right? For God so loved, the love heart, the world. The circle stands for the world. So that's the image. That's the first thing I drew. And then I shared the scripture, John 3.16. I said, the Bible says this that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever um, will believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then I gave a statement based on that, which is this We believe that God loves you and created you to know him personally. Step one. Then what I did, I drew a second diagram, and this is a second diagram I drew. I simply drew the, the number 10. The number ten stands for the Ten Commandments. Even in this day and age, many people have heard of the Ten Commandments. Are aware of this as representative of God's laws for people? I said. I said the Bible also says in the Book of Romans, I says, it says that for all have sinned, all have broken God's laws, God's Ten Commandments. Have you heard of the Ten Commandments? You've heard of the Ten Commandments. All and we fall short of God's glory or God's standard. And then, as I said, we are separated from God by our sin. So the problem is we can't know him or experience his love. Sometimes you meet people who, who they don't believe that they're sinners. And so, you know, you can quickly go through even just two or three of the commandments and show them how actually all of us have sinned. This is the second part of the gospel. The third thing I, I did then was I, I drew this picture, which is just a simple picture of the cross with a line above representative of heaven, God in heaven, and a line at the bottom representative of earth, where we are. And I shared the scripture, Jesus speaking. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then the statement that I made was this Jesus made a way through dying on the cross to pay for our sin so that we can be forgiven. For receiving Jesus, we can know God and experience his love and forgiveness. It doesn't have to be that exact statement word for word, but it explains the picture and explains the scripture. It's, it's essentially saying Jesus came, died on a cross so that I can be reconciled to God. I can be forgiven. My sin can be dealt with. I drew that picture on the sick bag. I explained that to I Gave that scripture. Gave a little statement. And then the fourth picture is this. It's slightly more complex. It's two circles with a chair in each, and I and I um, explained that these are two sorts of people. The first picture is representative of someone who has self on the throne or or in the driver's seat of of a life, and C stands for Christ, for Jesus Christ, and he is outside of that life. He has no control in that life, but the second picture is a picture of of someone who has put Jesus Christ on the throne, Jesus Christ on the driver's seat of their life. And they are at the foot of that, serving him. And I shared the scripture from John. The Bible says that, you know, all, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then I made a statement a little bit like this. Each of us, we need to respond to what Jesus Christ has done. By placing our trust in Him as our Savior and our Lord, then we can know God personally and experience Him and His love and His plan for our life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel message that is shared with university students, some of the most intellectual, supposedly, students, people in our country, every single week, and every single week in this country, people give their lives to Jesus based on this. So important that we can share the gospel. Four little pictures that you can memorize really easily. Draw them on a sick bag like that if you need to, on a notepad. On, In fact, there's actually Student Life actually have an app you can use, and it has the pictures in there and the scriptures in there if you're super app-driven. But to memorize this, this is a powerful and important message. This is the message. It's in some way, shape, or it changed my life. This is the message or some iteration of this that changed your life. This is the gospel. This is the power of God to salvation. If we could take a few moments and memorize four key pictures, simple, simple pictures, four key steps, four key scriptures, and four simple ways to explain it. You are empowered now with what Paul calls our message. And so then we go on to the next thing that Paul says. Paul says to be wise with opportunities, with the unchurched. You see, if the unchurched show interest in anything, if someone far from God shows interest in any way, like this girl said to me, so tell me, what do you believe? Can I say that we need to be wise in that time? You need to understand what they need to hear, not necessarily what they are asking. Because, of course, when she says to me, what do you believe, in a, in a, in a few seconds, this is where my mind went, just to bring you into my little world. I went, mean, oh, what do I believe? Well, I, I guess, well, for starters, we're Protestant, not Catholic, and this girl might be Catholic, so I, best, I better explain about the Protestant Reformation and, and, and the birth of the Protestant church, you know, and then, of course, we're evangelical, so I need to explain. And of course, we're Pentecostal, you know, and, and before we know it, I'm on, I'm on a history lesson, Right? She's not asking for a history lesson, and she doesn't need a history lesson. What she wants to know is what we believe, and what she needs to hear is what we believe about what will change your life. Be wise. If anyone asks anything about our it, church, oh, so you go to Elam, what does Elam believe? I'll tell you what Elam believes. Elam believes that, the gospel. Don't tell them about our statement of faith. I mean, you can later if you want to. Tell them the gospel. And people say, what's the difference between... Between the Buddhist and you guys, well, let me tell you what we believe. Don't worry about the different delineations of faith. Share with them the gospel first. Always the gospel first. Be wise. If you have any opportunity, be wise and share the gospel. But not only share the gospel. See, Paul's statement about being wise is broader than that. He's talking about, you know, be relevant. Take a moment to listen. Be empathetic. Understand where they're coming from. If there's someone who's gone through doubt, well, then why don't you share yourself that you've been through doubts? Because all of us have. Keep it real. God is bigger than our own failings. For us to be wise means for us to engage in an honest and real conversation. But when it comes to sharing what we believe, let it always be the gospel first. I was so grateful in those few seconds when my mind is spinning deep into a history lesson that I could perhaps share with this girl that something in me must have been the Holy Spirit says, for goodness sake, shut up and just tell her the gospel, which I did. And then Paul gives us a deeper look into how we should do this. He says, use 99% grace and 1% salt. I'm going to explain this illustration. He says, let your conversation be full, full To the top, full of grace, seasoned with salt. This is a very important illustration for us, right? Full of grace with a little bit of challenge. 99% grace, 1% salt. In our household, the king of the grill, the person who truly knows how to cook a great steak, I'm embarrassed to say, isn't me. It's my son. My son worked in New World in the meat section for quite some time, and as a 16, 17-year-old, when he had extra money to spend, he didn't buy shoes, sweatshirts. He would buy good quality aged Angus beef steak and bring it home as if he was carrying frankincense and myrrh. You know, I mean, it was—it was like it was a holy thing. What he does with the steak is a good and glorious thing, and I cannot compete. He gets. He pulls oil on it and massages it in and liberally covers it with salt, lets it sit for a while, and cooks it for a very specified period of time. And he produces honestly the best medium rare steak I've ever eaten anywhere. It's unbelievable. And anytime I go to cook steak, he always stops me and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> he literally does. What are you doing? Have you done this? Have you done this? I mean, it's like, I feel like a child. And he's the parent. It's taken me a while to get it. You see, I never used to put steak on my salt when I cooked it. I didn't do it because I thought, well, people can add salt later if they want it. And I think, unfortunately, in my early years as a Christian, I think that was how I approached sharing the gospel. I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just cook the meat, but, but they can add salt later if they want it. It's not my job to put the salt on. It's not my job to bring the challenge. I you know, wanted to please people, didn't want to offend anyone. The problem was is that nobody got changed as a result. Now, the opposite of this, of course, is worse. Right? Imagine half a kilo, 500 grams of top-quality salt with a tiny little sliver of meat on top. That would be a truly disgusting experience. And you, you may think I'm exaggerating. I, I had a, a, a very similar thing happen to me one time. I was flatting in Dunedin with a bunch of guys. And, and a, flat of, a flat of males, is a, that's something you don't want to go near if you can help it at all costs. Now, at one point, we had almost no food left. And, and my, my, one of my flatmates, a good friend of mine, he uh, cooked a meal and then announced to us that he'd made sausage casserole. What he didn't tell us is that all we had left in the, in, in the flat was a whole bag of onions and one sausage. So all of us on our plates got four boiled onions with a, a, a little slice of sausage laid across the top. It was, you know, you, you will run away from things like that when it comes your way again. Is it any wonder then that sometimes people run for the hills when the gospel is mentioned because too often they've had that. They've had 99% salt and 1% grace. They've had a fire and brimstone message or scripture after scripture after scripture about sin and death with a tiny bit of God's love on top. It's like 500 grams of salt with a tiny little sliver of steak on top. Think of a plate of good food. This is the illustration Paul is giving us. Great food, a little bit of salt for taste, for zing. 99% grace, 1% challenge. Let's understand Paul's approach here. When we share the gospel, it should be 99% grace and kindness and the love of God and understanding who God is and what He has done for us. It should be listening and emphasizing, uh, empathizing. It should be agreeing with the challenges of life. It should be talking about God's forgiveness, sharing the four st- steps of the gospel, and 1% challenge. You've got to have the salt. A gospel presentation with no challenge is just an academic exercise. And it might be as simple as, Can I encourage you to think about that because your future rests in there? Or it might be something like, Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to accept Jesus into your life right now? I'd love to pray with you. It sounds big, but it's a very small sentence and easy to say. Or, or maybe it might be, Would you mind if I pray for you right now and ask God to show his love to you? God answers prayers like that. You know, this girl I met with on the plane after sharing the gospel she said this to me. She goes, oh my gosh. She says, thank you. I have never heard that message before. Isn't that interesting? I've never heard that message before. And then it was time for me just to add a little challenge. I said, well, it's great to hear the message, but actually you need to decide what you're going to do with this. Each one of us have to decide how we're going to respond to what God offers us and Jesus and I don't know where you're at with that. Is that something you'd like to do right now? It takes two seconds, three seconds. You know, in this instance, you know what she said to me? She says, she says no, I, I don't think I want to do that right now. But thank you so much for making it clear to me. Here's what I said. I said, well, the good news is you now know what you have to do if you want to get right with God. It's so important for us to recognize that actually Paul's approach was that our conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt. Let's not, let's not make the mistake of coming on with all guns blazing to people. Let's pray for an open door. That's what God is wanting. He's wanting people who will pray for open doors for people who are far from God. He's wanting us to be able to proclaim the gospel simply and clearly. He's wanting us also to be wise, to know when to stop, to know when to start, to respectfully know where to go and to know when we can actually share this message of messages. And lastly, he's wanting us to be the kind of people who in our conversation, we're able to bring the grace of God but season it with salt so that people know, feel it, and are aware of the step they need to take. This is the message that changes lives. I remember uh, sitting with um, a wonderful young man by the name of Andre, who actually I'm pretty sure now actually heads up student life uh, in New Zealand across the different universities. Uh, He was just a student in our church when I first met him. He got involved with student life. And he was talking with me about a conversation he had had literally the day before, when he bumped into this guy in the student union, got chatting to him, found out this guy was far from God. He says, "Buddy, can I just have four minutes of your time? Because I've got a message I want to I want to share with you." And the guy was like, "Oh man, look, I'm kind of busy, but oh, all right." You know, he was he was reluctant. And then uh, and then this guy he pulled out this little track that he used that has this gospel message in it. And, and as he began, he just. He paused and he just chuckled to himself. And he said that this guy said to him, what are you laughing about? What's so funny? And Andre replied, he said, I just can't help but laugh. This message that I'm gonna share with you, this is the message that totally turned my life around. Three minutes later, he led this guy in a salvation prayer, giving his life to Jesus Christ. This is the power of God for salvation. Amen. You have on your notes this morning those four diagrams. I encourage you to take a little bit of time just to get familiar with this gospel message so that you can share it clearly. Now there may be some of us here this morning who don't like it. Oh, that's not the proper gospel. That's not comprehensive enough. It doesn't explain sin enough. That's fine. That's fine. Here's what I suggest. I suggest you get really clear with this. Then you can add in whatever else you want. But getting clear on the gospel in some way, shape, or form is a whole lot better than not being clear on the gospel at all. Amen? What would it be like if every one of us, between now and our dying day, experienced just one open door? which we were able to step through and share this gospel message with someone wisely and with clarity and with enough salt so that that person, be it in that moment or later, gave their lives to Jesus Christ. What a difference would be made in the world if that happened just once. How many open doors might be ahead of you in your lifetime. It may only be one. Maybe it'll be five. Maybe it'll be 10. But may we be ready with this message of messages when that door opens. Amen. Mighty God, I thank you, Lord, for our time together today. God, I thank you for this wonderful teaching that Paul gives us in the book of Colossians. God, I thank you, Lord, for the imperative, Lord, that your church know this message, our message, God, that we might be able to share it clearly. We might pray for open doors, God, and that when those doors open, that we might be ready to step through with wisdom. God, and that our message might be full of grace, but seasoned with salt. That God, that this message, which is the power of God for salvation, God might indeed see people saved and changed, just like we have been. God, I pray for every one of us here, that you will make us ready and provide open doors in Jesus' name. You know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if anyone got any idea where I'm going right now, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is what I want to say to you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God loves you. Are we catching on where I'm going yet? God loves you. And He wants you to know Him and experience His love in your life. But the Bible also says in Romans 3 that we've all sinned, me, you, all of us, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory or God's standard. It's our sin that keeps us separated from knowing God and experiencing Him and His love and His plan. But that's why Jesus came. The Bible says that, in fact, Jesus said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He went to the cross for you. Through putting your faith in Jesus, what He did on the cross means that you can be forgiven. Your sin can be removed and you can come back into that relationship with God. You can know Him and experience His love and plan for your life. In John chapter one, the Bible says, to all those who received Him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Will you take that step of faith this morning? Put Jesus Christ on the throne and and the driver's seat of your life. Will you, in faith, make that decision to make him your God and your Lord and your Savior? I tell you, when you do that, you enter into a life of knowing God and experiencing his plan and his love for you. Is that you this morning? Is this a decision that you need to make? You need to come home to God. You need to get right with Him today. If that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. Little aside here. When you need to lead someone through a prayer of salvation, how do you do that? You just run through those four steps in a prayer. Here we go. Goes like this. If that's you, if you want to pray this with me, then please feel free to do that. Because like Dear Lord God, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you want me to know you and experience your love and plan. But God, I admit that I am a sinner. I've fallen short of your standard. But God, I believe Jesus came for me and died on that cross for my sin, that my sin could be forgiven and taken away and that I could know God. Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. I believe you. And I pray that you will come into my life right now. I place you on the throne of my life. And I choose this day to serve you from now on. Thank you for your promise that when I receive you, you will make me your own. I commit myself today to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look, if you prayed that prayer this morning? So I'd love you to take a step of faith this morning. And you will see on the seat in front of you, one of the seats in front of you, an orange Connect card. And um, the Orange Connect card is how we connect with anyone over anything. If you took that step of faith, I'd love you to take another step of faith and grab that card before you go, put your details on there, tick the box, I accepted Christ today. Bible says that when someone does that, there's more partying in heaven, there's more celebration over one person who makes that incredible life-changing decision than over 99 people who, don't even, who are already living right with God. That's awesome. But if you take that step of faith, we would just love to email you some resources that will help you on your journey. That is a wonderful thing. With regards to, uh, if any of those who are interested in, in, in the, um, that gospel app, uh, it's called God Tools or the God Test. There's a number of great apps that you can access which will help you if you use apps. If not, I find it easier because I'm a bit old school just to memorize them. It's just four pictures, four scriptures, four statements. God bless you.